it's so good to see you. I have a message for us. It, I don't know, uh, over the last couple of days, God has really just called me to himself and, and given me such grace to pray for our church and for our, our direction that we're going to go. And I'm glad you came tonight. And I just want to, I want to share with you what God put on my heart. Um, I, I, let's, just, let's just get to it. I'm, I'm going to try to get it out. I'm just thankful for his presence. Those times that no matter how busy we are, he knows how to just in the, in the midst of chaos, just speak to us. And so I'll tell you this. Well, no, I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach. Hey, <laughs> hey, got one. Haggai 1, 13 through 15. It says, Then, the, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke the message of the Lord. Let me tell you, that's the most important thing, that we speak the message of the Lord. Amen. There's a lot of messages going forth. I, I have a podcast on Spotify. I listen to a bunch of different preachers. It scares me sometimes how they use the pulpit this is not a chance for us to share our personal thoughts or grind personal axes. This is for us to share the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And it says to the people saying, I want you to see this. I am with you, says the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord. Hold on one second. I want you to see tonight, my text is going to be stirred. It says, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and, and the priest and the people. And when they got stirred, they came and they began to work and do the work of God. Finish verse 15 and we'll pray. Um, and then it tells you what day. I, I love that. It, it tells you exactly what day that the stirring happened. I'm, I feel like tonight that God, when I saw this last verse, that he just kept leading on my heart. Don't skip that verse. Don't skip that day. Because there's some of you that walked in here and your hearts are heavy and you're weary. And you're going to mark tonight as a night that I'm so glad I came. I had every reason not to come. But tonight, God stirred me. I didn't even come to be stirred, but God stirred me anyway. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. We love you. We praise you, Jesus. We give you the glory. We give you the honor, Jesus. I thank you for your people that came tonight. We pray for the sick. God, heal them and raise them up. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So he says it stirred the people. Look, look at um, the word stirred there. If you break it down in the Hebrew, it means to come alive, to come awake, actually awaken. It's like that you were asleep and somebody stirred you up and they got you up and running. Now, I'm not a big fan of getting stirred up when I'm asleep, but I'm a huge fan of being stirred up when I'm spiritually going to sleep. Amen. So I, I begin to think about us being asleep. And then look at Isaiah 60, verse 1. It says, arise and shine. And when you look at the word arise, it's the same thing as somebody that's asleep, laying down, gets up. And it says, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now look at verse 2. For darkness shall cover the earth. Are we there? And deep darkness the people. 
Man, I see it. You can feel it in the atmosphere. The enemy is doing everything in the world to divide America. It doesn't matter what the situation is. He wants to divide this nation because the divided nation will fall. It says, though the darkness covers the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you. This is a word for us. And his glory shall be seen upon you. And I think I gave you verse 3. The nations shall come to your light and kings to your brightness. And my point with that is, is if we'll get up and begin to shine, it'll change. It'll change the world. It'll start in Mount Olive. Amen? Amen. I want to go one more place. Ephesians 5, 14 through 21. I just want to set up a groundwork and then we want to talk about it. Now, you guys are starting to give me that zombie apocalypse look that I talked about Sunday morning. So maybe we need to do some jumping jacks or serve coffee or whatever we need to do. Therefore, he says, awake. This is New Testament. Awake you who sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. I want you to see something. That every single time the Bible tells us to wake up spiritually, light is mentioned. They were in the dark ages, the dark years where God didn't speak. Well, when God came on the scene, the life came. The light of man, the light of the world. Jesus Christ is that light. And I'm telling you, I see a bunch of church people that are not shining their lights anymore. And it's not because they're bad. It's not because they're evil. It's because they're weary and well-doing. And they're tired and they're worn out. And they're tired of holding their candle up. And they're just walking through life. And he says to the church, it's time to get up. If you'll get yourself up and let God begin to stir you awake. I am praying for this church. Every one of you, something came over me this week. I'm praying that you are so uncomfortable until you submit to God and begin to pray. I pray that you lose your appetite for everything of this world. I've asked God. I said, we can't do it. You can put that down. Who stirred up Zerubbabel? Who stirred up the people? I'm tired of trying to prod and prompt and get you excited to be in the house of God. And every preacher's a cheerleader. We're not cheerleaders. The Spirit of God needs to get back in our lives. The Spirit of God needs to come back in you. Remember your first love. Remember it's about Him. Remember, I'm telling you, I didn't earn it and I didn't deserve it like the song says. Monday morning, something kidding me in my car and that freshness began to pray. I began to seek God. I began to feel His power. He began to speak to me about what He's going to do in this house. And that if we have, who cares what the enemy says, the vision of this house will come to pass. God promised it, and he will do it. So you know what's awesome? I thought if you did it for me, you'll do it for them. Wake up. Just tell him, stir me, God. I'm praying for you. You might not even want to be stirred. I'm praying he stirs you. I'm praying that he gets a hold of you, that you just love his word again. We're busy people. I didn't have five hours to spend with him. But man, just a little bit of time I gave him, it was so sweet and it was stirred up. I put it in there. How do you know if you're asleep? You're comfortable. You're comfortable. Comfortable people go to sleep. When I get finished with this sermon, I've started back working out. This has been my fourth week. I can barely lift my arms in worship today. When I get home, you can ask Bethany. She better tell me everything she's going to tell me while we're eating because my eyes are going to close. I'm going to get comfortable and I'm gone. So <laughs> my alarm clock hits tomorrow morning, bright and early. 
The church, it's the same way. We get comfortable. This is our church. This is what we do. These are these people that we love and see. It's a great fellowship. It's a comfortable thing. And we begin to get comfortable and we forget what it's really about. And we kind of start to drift. Think about it. When you begin to drift off, your awareness of what really is going on, the church is asleep. I'm telling you, not an evangel, in the world. The church is beginning to get comfortable. It's, you getting, see, I, you think it's awesome that a lot of these political people and these movie stars, they might mention God or they might mention God's name. And we're like, yeah, they said something for God. And it's like, oh yeah, maybe it's not getting so bad. Maybe it's just getting good. It's just rocking us right into our little cozy place. See, I can't stir you. He couldn't stir, and I have the scriptures, but God right before that came to him twice and said, consider your ways. He said, consider your way. Look at your life right now. Really? Let's take, take a second. And he says, you thought it was going to be blessing, and you put up, let's just read it real quick, JT. We got 30 minutes, and I'm only going to take 15. Said, nobody ever. I thought y'all were here to learn the Bible. <laughs> Verse 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and you've harvested little. You eat, but you do not have enough. Listen, this is spiritual. You, you, you forgot that everything in this world that you thought would make you happy. He says, look, are you happy? Can this world give you joy, love, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering? Does it have it? Go buy the goods of this world. You can have everything you want to and you will still be completely unsatisfied because things have never completed us and things will never complete us. In the church, we can have the best lights, we can have the best everything and that won't mean one hill of beans if everybody in here is asleep. Amen. Do I believe the house of God should be excellent and look the best? Sure I do. But I don't want that over the people being awake. Amen. Once you get the people awake, they'll start telling other people. It'll start filling up and then you'll start to have problems. Hey, our widows are neglected. You know, I was thinking about Acts. This has nothing to do with the sermon. We're going to keep that up. So. But you know, they had a problem and their, their solution was find us seven men full of the Holy Ghost and faith. And my question was, can we find seven men full of the Holy Ghost and faith? You know you're right on point when it gets just weird quiet. I thought, if we were like, we need seven men now, see, if I said if we need seven women full of the Holy Ghost and faith, I can get them. I know seven right now off the top of my head. I don't think you have to say anything else to that. I think we're asleep. Isn't it so easy when we're men to let our wives be the spiritual leaders? We have the most puny men I've ever met in my life in this country. 
They're spineless. That's why me and Red did the conference. He's so tired of seeing spineless men. And when you say spineless, I don't mean, I don't mean the way you're thinking. I mean men of faith. Men that talk faith. I don't mean like, oh, well, he rules his roost. I don't care about all that. I'm talking about a man that stands up for the Bible. A man that tells his wife we're going to pray. Come on. Most of the time, our women have to lead us in prayer. This was not in my notes, but I know you don't like it. And it just, it's like medicine. I just feel it coming out of me. Drink it. When we did this conference, this men's conference, I realized I leaned way too heavy on her. People always say, well, she's an angel. And I'm like, well, that means I'm a devil probably. Because, you know, she's the angel. She's the sweet one. She's the this. And I thought, in that men conference, I didn't get mad when they were preaching these men. I thought, no, I need to be the spiritual leader. People need to say, no, no, no. He's a, the man. But not because he tells anybody he's the man. He's the man because he loves Jesus crazy. Loves him like crazy. He's passionately after Jesus. He wants it in his marriage. He wants it in his church. He wants it on his job. Let's be men. All of us. I'm working on it. Bethany's hard to keep up with. Look at verse 6. You've sown much and you harvested little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, I think we covered that. The first thing I was going to tell you is you have to get, you have to consider where you are before you change. You have to acknowledge I'm asleep. You have to say, yes, I'm comfortable and I'm asleep. I realize that I want all these things. Look, it's Christmas time. Do you guys know that lust is actually, Paul said if the Bible and covetness, you know, Paul said if the Bible says thou shalt not covet, I would be without sin. Do you guys know it said that? Think about it. We tell people, get your Christmas list. Get it ready. There's nothing wrong with all that. Please, let's keep it normal. You can have good Christmas list, but still want him. When you put it in the right perspective, yeah, I love to give people things. Jesus actually said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I love giving people Christmas presents. I love surprising people. I love it. So I love giving and blessing people. Don't get me wrong. We should bless people. We should give. But the church can't buy and drink the Kool-Aid that it's all about what we can get and what we can collect. Jesus dealt with it everything he said. Everything you have, the moths are going to eat. It's going to die. It's going to corrode. And if it doesn't, the fire is going to burn it at the end of time. And we are so close. We've lost our awareness. What would Jonathan Lankford have done different today if he truly believed Jesus Christ was coming today? It's a good question. You know what I think is crazy? I think if we don't get stirred and let the Holy Ghost do it, we'll hear that question and say, that's not reality. I, I, I'm here to tell you I've lived in that place of expectation. I know it can be lived in. It's my fault that I'm not there now. It's my fault that God's having to wake me up. 
you can get so busy with good things that it actually makes you go to sleep. You ever been there? Sometimes you have to tell God, my schedule got me away from you for a little bit. We need to catch up. But see, what we don't do is we don't catch up. There's times where me and Bethany say, hey, our schedules are zigzagging. This weekend is ours. Nobody's involved in it. It's our weekend. I don't care who asks because the devil knows and 400 people are going to ask to hang out that weekend. It's our weekend. We got to do the same thing with the Lord. Lord, it's been a while since we've just sat and talked. It's been a while since I've asked you what you wanted. Listen, do you realize that this church can never go where God wants it to go? It did not say in that scripture that he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the priest Josiah only and not the people. The people have to be stirred. Amen. Are you all with me? The people of God have to get this stirring inside of them. It can't just say, well, our pastor is stirred and our leadership team is stirred. you got to say our membership is stirred. They're moved again. God is just doing something in their heart. What does stirred mean again? Awaken us. We are awakened to the need of Mount Olive. We're awakened to our back porch. It's full uh, everywhere. This road, look at the people that drive on this road that are broken and hurting and in need. And if we're not careful, we'll sit in here asleep and be comfortable and everything will just be fun. This is not rhetoric. I'm not preaching to you just something that sounds good or motivational. This is truth of Jesus Christ. He tonight wants you to leave stirred and changed. All he wants you to do is say, God, stir me. I just need you to stir me. And he said, hey, in Isaiah 60, all you got to do is just stand up and I'll shine and the glory of God will rise upon you and the people will see it. If you're laying down, I can't shine. Just stand up. Amen. Look at verse 7. He repeats himself. I don't want to bore you to tears, but in the Hebrew language, anytime something is repeated, it's exclamation points. I can prove it to you, and you already know it. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. He was like, Listen to me, focus. Right? You know, Caleb preached about the guy, Eutychus, that fell out of the window and Paul raised him from the dead. And, and I told, you know, at the end, I said, Papa always says, Eutychus was more out than he was in or he had never fallen out. That tells me that story didn't happen so we could remember Eutychus too if you fell out of a window and it'd be a cool little funny thing that preachers say. That story happened so that we can realize something that happened physically will happen in church. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you something that will get you asleep so quick. It's called a fence. And I don't mean like a fence that you build in your backyard. I mean a fence. That means you get focused on something that hurts you. And the devil will convince you, shut down. What's the point? It's never going to work. Man, they're never going to do this. They're never going to do that. He will get you to sleep so quick just over an offense. I've seen it. He'll shut you down. 
You have 95% of your life being good and you will focus on 5% of some little silly thing and you'll be asleep. Even when you're here, you won't be here. Let me tell you something, church. If you're asleep, the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you're not glad to go to God's house, you're asleep. Period. Well, how do you figure? The scripture says it. There's no other way. So what do you do when you see you're not glad? Oh, man, I got to go. It's Wednesday night. How many people did God want to stir tonight that they let their sleepy self stay at home? And I don't mean people that are sick. If you're sick, please stay at home. Please. We will send one of those cloths to your house. I will drive it personally and put it in your mailbox. I'm serious. It's, I said this a couple Wednesday nights ago. It came out and I was like, whoa. They think I'm preaching at them, but I didn't say that. I heard it for the first time. I don't know if you've ever taught or preached before. When the Lord will say something, you'll think, man, that wasn't me. <laughs> that, the Lord took over and just decided to say something. And he said, don't you dare believe. Don't you dare believe that he doesn't notice when we can make every other event, but it's hard to make his house. Now, us as humans, we realize that we got a problem, so we go hide right here. We check out. We get back in the covers and we snooze up. And God tonight wants to expose it. And he wants to, all he wants you to do is say, I've lost my love for you and I've lost my love for your house. That's what they had done. If you read, look at this next verse. Let's finish this and we're almost done. He says, go up to the mountains and bring wood and rebuild the house. Listen to me. Some of you, your house is torn apart by the enemy. You don't have joy anymore. You don't have peace. Listen, the, the biggest thing that we have different from the world is peace. Even in the middle of the storm, we have peace as believers. When I got saved, the thing that changed me forever was the Prince of Peace came into my life and he ruled and he reigned and there was peace. Even in the middle of trials, even in the middle of battles, even in the middle of I don't understand God, there was this unsettling peace that was like, wow, this passes understanding just like the scripture says. And the peace of God will rule and reign over your heart. Yes. Believers don't have peace because believers don't have the Prince of Peace reigning. They're in control. Look, he said it's time to build. Let's get some stuff going in here. I'm telling y'all, the last three days, I haven't had like five hours of prayer. But even my driving with work, he's close. He's just wanting to stir us. I believe it with all my heart. I, I'm telling you, when you leave here, even if you don't respond or not, I'm praying for you to be stirred. I need you. I need the people of God to get stirred. I need you to get stirred, number one, so you can enjoy God again. Serve the Lord with gladness. I had somebody the other day ask me, man, what's wrong with so-and-so? They're always mad at church. And I was like, I have no idea. I didn't. I was like, I don't know. We ain't supposed to be mad here. 
I had to get up and I had to go. You didn't have to watch that ball game for four hours, did you? Well, that was convenient. I was on my couch. Man, this is about as convenient as you get. See, what happens is, is we lose sight of everything. I used to preach all the time, but yeah, there's a sacrifice of righteousness where you come anyway. Now there is. There'll be times in your life where you come anyway. You don't feel it and the devil's attacking you. This is not that season. I'm telling you, church, if you want to be renewed and refreshed and restored, it's yours. He's going to do it. He's troubling the waters. If you want to get healed, come in the water. If you want God to do something for you and your family and he want him to do something in this church, he's going to stir you if you'll come. He'll wake you up. You'll see how bad you've been. God, your house has been a burden. Now, I know none of y'all say that. He just wasted my time and told me to preach it. I guess I'm just preaching to myself. Look, look at verse 9. He deals with it. You look for much and it came in little. When you brought it home, I blew on it. Why, says the Lord, because my house lies in ruin while each of you run to your own house. Listen to me. When this church started to blow up, I'm telling you, I watched it. I, I'm, you can't take it from me. I got to experience what he's experienced multiple churches, starting from scratch and growing. I, this was my experience. I saw what happened. It ju looked just like this. God didn't just stir us to pray. God didn't just stir Sister Puckett and, and Ronin and some of them to pray. He started bringing people in and they started getting stirred and they started falling in love with him. And the next thing you know, they're out there telling everybody about the one they love and they're crazy about him. And they actually come to church ready to worship and ready to lift up the name of Jesus and they don't notice what's wrong. Listen to me. You got to get over that what's wrong stuff. It'll kill you. I've already been down that road. It almost killed me about five times. You got to get over it. If we all sat on a panel right now and said, how should we do church? We could never come do the same. None of us think it's the same. Get over it. That's what I've learned. Get over it. Well, you know, if they would do this first and they would just do these kind of songs and if they would just do this, yeah, you think that and the person beside you thinks the complete opposite. That's why preachers are quitting. Go look at the stats. They're, done. They're calling deuces. They're not moving churches anymore. 20 years ago, you look at the stats, they're just church hopping. Now, they're walking away to secular jobs saying, that ain't worth it, man. Those sheep biting, it hurts. And their families are bitten and they're everybody. Listen, get over that. It ain't ever going to go the way you want it to go. Amen. You can control everything about your house, but you can't control his house because you're not in control of his house. He is. I'm telling y'all, you think I'm, I know what I'm talking about. He'll get you. The devil will get you on the dumbest things. He'll get you. I'm telling you. Get glad again. You know one of the biggest things that make you tired? 
And I'm going to close with this. You can put it down. David said this, and it scares me. He says, I am weary because the multitude of my iniquity. Why are you tired, church person? Could it be that you've let sin come openly in your heart? I'm weary, Austin, because I've allowed sin to come in my life. And sin brings death. And sin brings darkness. And the more dark you get in your life, the more easy it is to go to sleep. You know what scares me when I was praying about this? How many people here tonight, it never crossed their mind one time that the rapture could take place and they could have missed it? Church people. Do you know how scary that's going to be? There's going to be five wise and there's going to be five foolish virgins, which means pure and set apart, which means they called the name of Jesus, but they didn't have oil, they didn't do what it takes, and it's going to come and they're going to run. See, you've, got, you've been watching these Left Behind movies and you've got the way it's going to happen way wrong because there's going to be a last trump. And, when, you know, you see airplanes crashing and you see all this stuff. That's foolishness. That's the imaginations of men. The trumpets are going to sound. Those Christian pilots are going to land those planes. There's going to be time in between there. You just watch. And at the last trump, why do I know there's time? Because the, un the unwise virgins ran and said, Hey, Austin, you're excited. I don't hear anything. And you're like, Austin's going to say, Yeah, the trumpet blew. This supernatural trumpet, something's alive inside my heart. It says that the creation moans and roars in Romans to see the return of Jesus. They wait with expectation and all of a sudden our spirit and they're going to say, hey, lead me in the prayer. Lead me in it. I want to be saved. And he's going to say, I don't have any oil left. And that last trump's going to sound and they're going to be gone. And you're going to say, God, let me in. Let me in, God. And he's going to say, I don't know you. I don't know you. You can't come. I don't know you. You say, well, I don't know if this is really the way it's going to happen. Well, then you don't read your Bible. Because let me tell you this last parable, and I promise you this was not part of my notes. It says a king had a, a supper, and he bid everybody to come, all the nobles, and they all made excuses. And he went to his servant, and he said, hey, I've got all this food. I'm going to look like a fool. Go to the highways and the hedges and tell them all to come in. Now, if you read this parable, it's weird. The good man of the house walks up to this, this man that's standing there and he says, friend, go read it. He calls him friend. Friend, you don't have on a wedding garment. Now, when I'm reading this, there's a couple times in the Bible, if you don't understand the context of what's happening in Middle Eastern you think that the, the punishment's a little too much for the crime. He says, he tells his servant, bond him. Cast him into prison for eternity where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. We always know that means hell. And I was like, Lord, oh, he didn't, what if he didn't have a wedding garment? <laughs> like, that, that's kind of mean. And you're not mean. So I began to dig. And I began to study and begin to read. Every king that gave a feast like that, he, he gave them a wedding garment. 
He told them, oh, by the way, here's my righteousness. You see where this is going? Put this on. Take the effort. Put it on. Begin to read my Bible. Begin to pray. Begin to fast. Begin to get stirred up. Get ready. And so when he went to him, he said, you wouldn't even take the time to put the garment on? That tells me he's going to look at some of the people that think they're going to heaven. And he's going to say, hey, I gave it to you. My own son paid for you the redemptive power of the Holy Ghost. You're free from the bondage of sin. All I ask you to do is put it on. All I ask you to do is make my word more important than the word of anything else. All I ask you to do is walk with me and listen to me. All I ask you to do is just put it on and you could have life for everlasting. And you, could, you can't fathom the things that I've prepared for you. But because you wouldn't put it on... Go to one of these hipster churches and listen to that parable. It's not there. They don't preach that parable. That's the same Jesus. Those, that parable's in red. Let him stir us tonight. When I read that, I thought, God, oh man, I know you're doing something to me because I didn't think about anybody else when I read this, but I thought about myself. And that's how I know you got me. I'm internally looking. If you think I'm preaching at you tonight, I can tell you with a pure conscience I haven't preached at one person tonight. I'm just giving you the word of God. He wants to stir our church. I feel like going into the new year that Wednesday night in this class, there's going to be times where you show up. I'm sure not going to tell you. And you're going to say, what's different? The lights are off and the music's playing. And I'm going to say, this is how the church grows by prayer. See, midweek service used to be called prayer meeting. Everybody in here has heard enough sermons in their whole life. Y'all could preach for 30 years. We don't need more preaching. We need more praying. Yes. I'm telling y'all, God told me, the devil's voice has been loud lately, telling us that we're going down. And God showed up Monday to tell me, why would you even listen to him? What have I told you about this church? Upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yes, amen. amen. Yeah. We're going forward. Yes. I need you stirred. I need your prayers. Yeah. Our, our pastor needs your prayers. Yes. Look at how many times Paul wrote, see, we always just kind of do what I do to him. We kind of idolize people. I'm like, oh, he don't need our prayer. I mean, he's the one that needs to pray for us. He's, you know, the pastor. And Paul, they were doing that to Paul. And he was like, I covet your prayers. Keep your money. Keep your robes. Keep it all. Just give me your prayers, church. Because he knew what the church has forgotten. A church that prays cannot be stopped. Stir us. I just want to be stirred. I just want to be awake. I, I'm, I'm praying. You might think I'm crazy, but God showed me a couple of things when this church grew to pray. And I'm praying them over our church that he brings them in. Some of you are sitting here because we prayed 17 years ago that God would reach out and bring people in. I don't want just anybody. I don't want to just grow the church. 
I want the Lord to add to the church daily as he sees fit. That tells me when people walk in, you know they're supposed to be here. I love it. I love seeing people walk in and get touched by God and they begin to discover, hey, he's got me here. I didn't even, I just thought I was visiting. The next thing I know, I found my home. I never thought 17 years ago, Brother Hank, that I was going to be here. I didn't. God called me, started prophesying over me, all these guys. I thought, man, I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. I'm going to be running tent revivals and laying hands and slinging oil. And I've learned something over the years. What a blessing it is to stay at the same church and grow with the same sheep and flock together. Because after all, we're not shepherds. People call us shepherds. He's the shepherd. Peter wrote and said, you're examples to the sheep. You're just one of the sheep. He's the shepherd. We're following him. When you get stirred up, and this is the last thing I promise I'll say, when you get stirred up, you'll realize it's not about your vision. It's not about for your life. It's about his vision for your life. See, I, you can talk it because we're churched. But when he stirs you, you believe it. You begin to pray prayers like, God, what's your will now? And your will might be uncomfortable, but I know I'm in it to win it. I know you've got the best for me. I know that even though I don't like it, you're with me. Amen? Let's grow. Let's be stirred. I'm telling you, I, I did warfare this week over that spirit of gossip that's come in the church and just talking and just tearing down. If you're part of it, shut up. Go in prayer and get the duct tape out spiritually and duct tape your mouth shut. Amen. I pray that every one of you, every time you start to say, well, I didn't like that he just hits you. Conviction just comes over you. Amen. You know you're there when it feels weird. Everybody stand with me. Listen to me. The band's going to come. It's not even eight yet when we normally get out. Put that last, put that very first verse I gave you, JT, up. I gave you Haggai 1, 13 through 15 first. God says, I'm with you. He's here tonight. He's with us. He's with us. Look at verse 14. And he stirred us. I want you to be stirred tonight. I want you to be awakened. I almost preached to you about the eagle. You know what an eagle does? When those babies are getting fat and sitting in that nice and comfy nest. You ever heard it? Some of you are like, I've never heard of this. Good, I'm going to tell you anyway. So you're going to leave us standing? Yeah, I've been standing the whole time. With uncomfortable boots on. I forgot to change shoes. Those little eaglets get in there and it's all lined. That eagle has lined it with feathers. It's not goose feathers, it's eagle feathers. It's comfortable. And those little eaglets, she bring that mother brings them food and they just eat and eat and eat and get fat and fat and fat. 
And one day they think it's just going to be like the day before. And that mother has plucked all those feathers out of there. And now it's briars and it's uncomfortable. Some of you are in a season of uncomfortableness and you're like, God, what's happening? And he's saying, oh yeah, I made you uncomfortable because I've got something way better than what you think right now. I've made you uncomfortable. And that mother eagle grabs that little eaglet, takes it way up, and drops it. And it's like, I am going to die. And it's flapping, and it's flapping, and it's falling. And that eagle says, whoop, right before it hits the ground. And says, wow, this is awesome. And does it again. Takes that eaglet right back up. Got to get them wings strong. Got to get you grown. Let him stir you tonight. You might feel like you are free falling and panicked. Oh, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He'll get you in places you don't even know. You're flapping. You think you're doing something. My prayer is that some of you being stirred, the vision comes back to you. He's called everybody in this room. I don't really know how to teach a Sunday school class. Little eaglet. Tell you how you do? You fly. You flap them wings. I don't really know how to witness to my coworker. Flap them wings, little eaglet. You gotta do it. You'll never learn how to witness if you don't witness. What? What do you say? How about how you got saved? You don't even have to have a scripture. Really? The word of your testimony conquers even Satan himself. When you talk about the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, they overcame the Satan himself. All you do is you tell them, I was miserable. I didn't even realize. I saw a girl put on Facebook today, what do you do when you wake up and you're like, there has to be more to life than this. And oh, it made me think. That's where I was. I'll never forget it. I said within myself, there has to be more to life than just this world. And I found him. That's all you got to tell. You ain't got to go into glorifying sin. You just got to tell him I was bound. But all of a sudden I said, Jesus is Lord. And all of a sudden liberty came into my heart. You watch when you begin to tell your testimony, somebody else shows up. His name's the Holy Spirit. You'll feel the anointing like you're a preacher. That's what's wrong with the church. We don't witness anymore. It's addictive to witness. See, we've made it about sensationalism. Give us good music. You win somebody to the lost out there, and we'll have to shut down service that next Sunday because you'll dance all over this place. Don't be nothing sensational about it. It'll be amazing grace. Let's break out of our uncomfortableness. God is here.